0: We've been looking at some of the I am of Jesus, and this morning we look at I am the resurrection and the life. The first 16 verses of John 11 were read. I'm going to pick up at verse 17. not going to read the whole chapter, just a few verses as we continue in this great uh, text of the death and resurrection of Lazarus. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Let's bow in prayer. Father, take now the words that you have given by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Use these words, O God, to teach us, to draw us to yourself, to remind us of who you are. And maybe for some here this morning to bring from spiritual death to spiritual life. Through Jesus we pray in his name. Amen. One of the difficult things that a pastor has to do is to conduct a funeral. And when you witness the pain that death brings to a grieving family... You realize that what the Bible says is true, that death is an enemy. Ever hear people say that death is just a natural part of life, you know, we're born and we die? That is not true. Death was never meant to be. Death came because of sin. It is an enemy. And Jesus has come to defeat that enemy that we call death. But as difficult as it is to conduct a funeral, it is at the same time a great opportunity to share the hope that we have in Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life and it is his presence in our time of sorrow that makes all the difference in the world. And it is that hope that we have in Jesus that we have the privilege to share at a funeral. The previous congregation I served was in a smaller town, and our church had been there for, I don't know, probably over a hundred years now at least. And so we were well known in that community, and when there was an unchurched person who died, they often called us. And we took as many of those funerals as we could because... What a chance to share the gospel with, in many cases, a family that didn't have hope. And to point them to Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. This is what we see so clearly in John chapter 11. At the grave of Lazarus, Jesus revealed himself to be the resurrection and the life. And he revealed then his life-giving power. As you read through this chapter, there are three reasons, very clear reasons, why Jesus revealed his life-giving power. Notice, first of all, Jesus reveals his life-giving power for the glory of God. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were siblings. And they had a very close relationship with Jesus. If you read through the Gospels, you see Jesus in their home more than once. And you get the picture that this was kind of a a regular stopping place for Jesus. And his presence obviously had a very significant impact in their lives. And you can see this in our text when Lazarus became sick. Verse three says, so the sisters, Martha and Mary, sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Interesting way to describe him, right? He whom you love. So they were absolutely sure that Jesus loved them, that Jesus loved Lazarus. And that obviously brought great comfort to them, especially during a time of need. Lazarus is sick. The one whom you love, Jesus, is sick. I suppose they could have said to Jesus, the one who loves you is sick. But I find it very interesting that they said, the one whom you love is sick. What was their love for Jesus compared to His love for them, there was no comparison. Now, we love Him because He first loved us, but our love for Him is nothing in comparison to His love for us. And that obviously made a huge impact upon them because that's how they described their brother. The one whom you love, Jesus, is sick. And notice their message to Jesus wasn't worded as a request And it certainly wasn't a demand. They were simply telling Jesus that Lazarus had a need. And they trusted that Jesus would do something about it. They didn't say, come, he's sick. They just said, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. But if you look at verse 6, you see something that, at least to me, is quite surprising. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick... He then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So Lazarus was soon going to die and Jesus stayed in that town another two days. Now, There's no reason to think that Jesus had changed his mind about Lazarus. He still loved him. In fact, John makes that clear to us in verse 5. He says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. And we don't catch this in our English translation, but John uses a different word for love than Martha and Mary used for love. When Martha and Mary said that Jesus loved Lazarus, they used the word for friendship, love. It's the Greek word phileo. But when John speaks of the love that Jesus had for them, he uses the word agape, which is that sacrificing love that God had for us and giving his son for us on the cross. It's as if John is saying that Jesus' love for them is greater than they ever imagined. And so without a doubt, Jesus really loved Lazarus. So then we ask the question, <laughs> Well, why did he wait? Here he's sick, he's, he's dying, and Jesus waits. Why did he wait? Well, he tells us in verse 4. It says, when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. In other words, Jesus waited before responding to the sickness of Lazarus because the end result wasn't going to be death. There was going to be a resurrection that would take place. And that would bring glory and praise to God. This reminds us of what happened just a few chapters before this. In John chapter 9, where there was a blind man that Jesus came across. And as he passed by, he sees this blind man, John chapter nine, verse one, and his disciples asked this question. They said, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he should be born this way? Now that was a common understanding in that day. If someone was blind, someone had to be blamed for that. Could have been him. Could have been his parents. And Jesus answered and said, It was neither that this man sinned, nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So there are times when God allows trials into our lives so he can reveal his glory in some way. We see that with the blind man. We see that with Lazarus, where God allowed this sickness to result in death, but he raised him back to life to show His glory. At this point, Martha and Mary didn't know what Jesus' plans were. They were probably looking for Jesus to come and, and heal Lazarus at, at any moment. Or perhaps they thought that He would just say the word because He didn't have to actually travel there. He could just say the word and, and Lazarus would be made well. He knew, they knew He had the power to do that. But minutes turned into hours. Hours turned into days. Jesus didn't come and, and Lazarus died. And what you supposed is going through the minds of Martha and Mary. The one you love is sick. And Jesus never showed up. He stayed in that town. And didn't come until Lazarus died. You don't have to wonder what they thought because they told Jesus what they were thinking. Martha said to him in verse 20, when she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Where have you been? Verse 32, Mary came where Jesus was. She saw him, fell at his feet, and she said the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So what they were hoping that Jesus would do didn't happen. He didn't come and heal Lazarus and, and Lazarus died. Can you identify with Mary and Martha? Have you asked the Lord to do something in your time of need and it didn't happen? I think all of us have probably been there at one time in our life. Lord, here's my need. Lord, here's my situation. I bring it to You. I'm asking You to do this, to do that. And it didn't happen. Could it be that God had another plan? Another way to reveal His glory in a way that you never thought possible? That's what happened here with Mary and Martha. And so Jesus revealed His life-giving power for the glory of God. The second thing we notice, Jesus reveals His life-giving power for the faith of the disciples. After staying two days longer in the town where He was, then Jesus said to His disciples in verse 7, let's go to Judea again. And if you look at their response, they're saying, now, wait a minute, Lord, this is not a very wise thing. Because they said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you're going to go back there. They want to kill you. In spite of the danger, that's exactly what Jesus was going to do. And he tells them why in verse 11, he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go so that I may awaken him out of his sleep. Now, what's Jesus saying? He died, but I'm going to resurrect him. What are the disciples thinking? He's just sleeping. We don't need to go there. If you're sleeping, eventually you'll wake up, right? When the sermon's done, you'll be wide awake, right? (laughs) He'll wake up. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he's going to recover. But Jesus had spoken of his death, verse 13, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Whoa. And then he gives this statement in verse 15. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Why? So that you they believe. Now, think of what they had seen already at this point. They had seen Jesus calm the storm. They had seen him cleanse the leper. They had seen him feed the, the hungry multitude. They had seen miracle after miracle after miracle, casting out demons, but evidently it didn't have that great of an impact on them. And that's evident in, in what Thomas says in verse 16 therefore Thomas who is called Didymus said to his fellow disciples let us also go so that we may die with him (laughs) what a contrast right Jesus is going to bring life and Thomas says let's just go and die with him might as well you know if he's going to die we might as well die too if he dies our hope is gone let's just go and we'll just get it over with so Jesus knew that his disciples needed to learn to trust him more And he was going to show them something that they had never seen before. He was going to raise a man from the dead who had been dead for how many days? Four days. Now, what happens to a body that's been dead for four days? It smells, and that's what the text says. So I'm not, it stinks, right? Okay? The body decomposes. And I'd never kind of thought about what, why why the four days. Is there something significant about four days? did a little reading on that, and I discovered that there may be some significance to Jesus waiting for four days instead of three days or five days or whatever. Alfred Edersheim, in his book, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, says that the Jews viewed the first three days after death as being for the greatest and most intense mourning. During which the dead person, now this was the belief, the dead person was still present to witness the grief of his friends and family. And after day three, then the dead person left. So I started thinking about that. I wonder what's going to happen for the first three days after I die. I'll be watching. See if my kids really cry or not. Change the will if they don't cry enough. right? So that was the view that, you know, for three days, the dead person was watching to see what happened. Then after the fourth day, he left. And so they figured, well, it's over. He's done. Another author says that there is good rabbinic evidence for a Jewish belief that for three days after death, the soul of the deceased person hovered around the body seeking re-entry. On the fourth day, when the soul sees the color of the face has changed, looks really dead, then it goes away and leaves. So with that understanding it may it may be that this four days was Jesus' way of saying to the people, He's not just dead, he's really dead. (laughs) Okay? Deader than a doornail. There's no life in him. Day four seemed to be that day when they said, Okay, he's not gonna the soul's not gonna go back in the body. He's dead. Now, one of the things we think about when we're facing trials is that God may have something to teach us through that. Patience, trust, get our attention, whatever. But have you ever thought about what God may want to teach others through the trials that that you're facing? It's usually, Lord, what do you want to teach me? But maybe it might be what the Lord wants to teach others. Through what we experience. That's clearly what we see here. It was through the sickness and death and resurrection of Lazarus that the Lord was teaching his disciples something, wasn't he? That doesn't necessarily make our trials easier. But it reminds us that God has a purpose in what he does. And if what God does in our lives can bring blessing into the lives of others, then we have to say praise God. Praise God. And that's what Jesus was doing here. He said, I am glad for your sake, disciples. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you believe. So Jesus had a plan in this. He had a purpose in this. He was going to show the glory of God. And he was going to teach his disciples that they could really trust him. A guy dead for four days, body was decomposing, and Jesus raises him back to life. Now for Martha and Mary, they were going to see something quite amazing. The bodily resurrection of their brother from the dead and an amazing display of his power. But I would suggest to you that that isn't the greatest display of Jesus resurrection power. Because Lazarus was raised from the dead and guess what happened? He died again. He died again. Poor Martha and Mary. They had to go through that grieving process twice. Poor Lazarus, he had to come back to this world and go through that process again. The only winner was the funeral director, right? He got a double check. Went through that twice with Lazarus. The greatest display of Jesus' power is seen in his statement in verse 26. He says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So those who put their trust in Jesus will be raised from the dead to die no more. Isn't that great? When Jesus comes again, we just sung about it, right? I believe in the resurrection. When Jesus comes again, those who have died in Christ will be raised from the dead to die no more. What a great, great promise. So at this point, only Martha had heard those words. And Jesus wanted Mary to hear those words as well. So, knowing this, Martha goes to Mary, verse 28. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying, Secretly, the teacher is here, and he's calling for you. Right, great. And when she heard it, she got up quickly. And she came to Jesus. I find it interesting that Martha didn't tell Mary all that Jesus told her. She just simply said, Jesus wants you. He's calling for you. And she knew that Jesus was, was the one that Mary really needed. Jesus is here and he's calling for you. And I think at a time of death, that's one of the times when Jesus is really calling people. You're at a funeral and you see the reality that one day that's going to be you in that casket. The reality of death. Ever wondered what your funeral is going to be like? Pictured yourself in that casket and people are coming up and looking at you. And What a morbid thought, huh? That's not why you came to church this morning, did you? But think of it. That's the reality. That's and so at a time when death is so real to us at a funeral, that's often when our hearts are tender and we recognize. I'm not going to live forever in terms of my physical body. I better be ready to meet Jesus. Jesus. So what did Mary say? Same thing as Martha: "The Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died." Jesus didn't rebuke her for saying this. John says that he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled, and Jesus wept with them at the grave of Lazarus. John eleven thirty-five, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. So if you want to memorize a verse, there you got one. Jesus wept. But a powerful statement, right? He wept with them. And then he did what no one but the resurrection and the life could do. He raised Lazarus from the dead by simply proclaiming his word. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Some have said it's a good thing he said just Lazarus, because if he would have said come forth, everybody would have been raised from the dead. (laughs) Lazarus, come forth. Jesus wanted Martha and Mary to trust him just as the disciples We're to trust Him. So Jesus reveals His life-giving power for the faith of those disciples. But then notice thirdly, Jesus reveals His life-giving power for the salvation of the lost. If you look at what Jesus did before He raised Lazarus from the dead, It's obvious that he wasn't just concerned about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He was also concerned about those who were gathered at that gravesite that day. So notice what happened. Verse 41, so they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but... Because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Did you see what Jesus' concern is here? There were people who had come to the gravesite that day that didn't know him. They had come there to try to comfort Martha and Mary in their loss, but they didn't believe that the Father had sent Jesus to be the Savior. And so he, he prayed that, he said that, so that they would know who he is and why he came. What better opportunity was there to encourage them to believe than at a, a funeral. And some did. Verse 35, Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what He had done, believed in Him. I'll bet you Lazarus was ready to do cartwheels when he knew that some people got saved because of His death and resurrection. I hope someone gets saved at my funeral. I hope someone comes to know Jesus at my funeral. That would just make it all worth it, Right? <laughs> To know that someone came to know Jesus because of my death, my funeral. I suppose Martha and Mary were pretty happy too. Even though they went through all that grief to know that as a result of that, souls were saved. And how about those who put their trust in Jesus that day? No greater joy than to know Jesus. So let me ask you this morning, do you know Jesus? Have you experienced the resurrection power of Jesus in your life? You don't have to wait until your body is in the ground. You can experience the resurrection power of Jesus today because he brings us from spiritual death to spiritual life. That's the power of the resurrection that can take us from darkness to light, from death to life. (laughs) I trust you've experienced that. Listen again to what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus asked the question, do you believe this? That's my question for you today. Do you believe that? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Do you know the resurrection and the life? Have you been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life and you know that one day when your body is put in the ground, that body's going to be raised to life? If you can say that today, you're ready to walk out the door. If not, you're not ready to walk out the door. I found out just this week that most people die on Monday. Monday. And the one day of the year that more people die than any other year? Any other day is Christmas Day. Monday. That's when more people die on Monday than any other day of the week. Are you ready for Monday? Are you ready to meet Jesus? He is the resurrection and the life. And He can bring you from spiritual death to spiritual life as you put your trust in Him. Lord, thank you for who you are, the resurrection and the life. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning who does not know you as Savior, Lord, would you draw them to yourself? And may they experience that good news of salvation through faith in Jesus. May they be able to say, I know that my Redeemer lives. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's.